Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu Alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Grand Rising. And thank you all for joining us on this Thursday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif sitting in for Dr. Debbie Green, who had to handle an emergency, but of course we, as always, wish her well in the work she does. And today we want you 
call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 when you're ready to speak because we want you to benefit from today's information, especially if you have children. The question we have asked today is, do your children need therapy? Many times our children go through very difficult circumstances, very emotionally traumatic experiences, even for an adult, and we tend to ignore their distress. We tend to punish their misbehavior when, in fact, it's a cry for help. So we'll talk about that today, and we're going to go over with you some signs that your child may be traumatized and need therapy. So sit back, relax, listen, take notes, and then perhaps you may want to call Dr. Debbie and schedule your therapy for your child or even for yourself. We'll be right back after this brief message, and we invite you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in just a moment to give you some insight on whether or not your child might be in need of some professional help. And we also want you to examine some of your attitudes toward professional help that could be inhibiting you from making that step? Are you in your own mind perhaps stigmatizing people who reach out for help? Have you in some way been influenced by your upbringing to think that anyone who seeks therapy is somehow weak or mentally unstable or not strong enough to endure? Are we holding on to old myths about inner strength and what it means and strong people don't need any help? Some of these ideas are very damaging and keep people from getting the help they need. So we'll talk about that today as we answer the question, do your children need So we'll be right back after this message. So we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 when you're ready to speak. And we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. We'll be right back. So stay with us. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Cell Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. 
Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naeem Latif, sitting in for Dr. Debbie Green. And we know that our children are exposed to traumatizing events every day of their lives. We're aware that they are constantly seeing and hearing things that children shouldn't see. We're aware that they are often subjected to images, not just on television, but right on their cell phones, and most importantly, in real life. So how do we help them address some of the horrors that they have experienced? Well, sometimes they don't talk to us about what they've seen and heard. Sometimes what they're feeling, they don't feel safe to talk about it, and so they don't. And so we want to give you some clues as to when they may actually be in distress. Too often we will reach for punishment when our children are acting out. So, of course, if you are a parent and or a grandparent or an, aunt, an uncle or anyone who is taking care of children, even a teacher, and you're noticing things, perhaps because of how you have been conditioned to think, When a child misbehaves, the first thing you do is take it personally. What we should always know is that it's not personal. So, again, we want you to 
consider what your child may have been exposed to that could be creating some possibly disturbing personality distortions. And rather than assume they're being uh, disrespectful or they're being disobedient or they are being defiant, we really need to look at what they are telling us with their behavior. And it generally has nothing to do with us. We take it personally and then we seek ways of punishment. Children are reflecting their experiences. They don't come with deviant intentions to cause us harm or to humiliate us or embarrass us or disregard our feelings or any of those things that we respond to as if they did. We're doing that because of our own self-esteem issues and not being able to recognize that a child is only a child. A child is responding to what they're experiencing. And often they're trying to prevent themselves from experiencing more emotional trauma or they're expressing their anger and what they've been forced to endure and didn't have the power to control. So if we can get to the bottom of what it is they're responding to, then perhaps we can realize the cry for help and not see it as an act of defiance. So, again, we want you to call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 when you're ready to speak. We'll gladly open your mic and get your thoughts as we go through these items that indicate perhaps your child is crying for help and needs therapy. Now, of course, if you know your child, if you're the parent that is the custodial parent, if you're divorced, you may not be aware when certain behavior is out of character. But if you're the parent or parents that are around your child all the time, then you know what behaviors are normal for them. You know what is within their character. You know what they will likely do in situations you know their personality. Sometimes when parents have not been around a child for a long time, they really can't say what is characteristic of the child or not. And they don't know when a child is expressing distress or anger. So if you're the parent that sees the child maybe once a month, 
or every now and then on holidays, you don't have anything to compare their behavior to. If a child is sullen or or non-communicative, you don't know if that's the way they normally act or not. And most of the time, parents will reach for some method of punishment if a child's behavior offends them. And this is why our children remain in a state of trauma, because the response they get from adults is punishment rather than seeking to understand. And we tend to lecture rather than listen. So our children remain in a state of emotional distress. Well, these are six signs that your child may need therapy. And, of course, we want you to take note and call in and express your thoughts about therapy to determine if perhaps you're harboring some resistance to accepting that you may not be the adult that can help your child. They may not be able to talk to you. They may be reluctant to have you respond the way perhaps you usually respond, and that is with criticism and punishment. And what they really need is understanding and compassion. So let's begin with these six signs. And uh, this is our Tuesday host, Jody Susan Calhoun. And she says thank you for sharing, and we appreciate that. Yes, of course, we're sitting in for our therapist, Dr. Debbie. And (laughs) we definitely appreciate her. And as she handles an emergency situation today, we want to encourage people to get the therapy they need. Because life is difficult, and too often we walk around with pain. And in our culture, we're expected to just get over it. And you don't get over a traumatic experience without help. So, six signs your child needs counseling. Changes in your child's personality can leave you wondering, does my child need therapy? Sometimes these changes become prominent as a result of a traumatic experience, while other times they can emerge out of the blue. Regardless of the reason, these regardless of the reason, these changes are important to pay attention to, as they can help you determine if and when to seek counseling for your child. So these are the signs that may indicate your child could benefit from counseling. And this blog, of course, uh, created by mental health professionals, 
is to encourage many who are still holding on to cultural attitudes or even just family attitudes that anybody seeking therapy is mentally unstable. And we often stigmatize people when they're going through a difficulty in which they do need some type of emotional support. And so if you broke a leg and didn't go to the doctor and have it maybe reset or put in a cast, would people say, oh, she's strong, oh, he's strong, he let himself stay broken and didn't go and get help from a doctor, would that be strength or stupidity when people are trained to help you when you're hurt? Intelligence is allowing the help so that you can heal. It's the same with mental health. And so we want to change any social stigmas surrounding therapy, especially when it comes to our children that often don't know how to call for help. And so we might see these behaviors. One, defiant behaviors. One of the most common signs that your child may need counseling is if they're having behavior problems, both inside and outside of the home. You may find your child more inclined to argue, complain, and become defensive, even over the smallest request or conversation. Pay attention to these responses, especially if they occur more frequently than usual. Oftentimes, this is your child asking for help without them even knowing it. When it comes to school and other activities outside the home, stay connected to the teachers and other parents that interact with your child on a day-to-day basis. Consider letting them know you are concerned and to let you know if they see any abnormally defiant behaviors in your child. Now let's pause on that one for just a moment. What do we tend to do when our children become defiant? We fuss at them. We might even hit them. Do we ever ask them why and listen honestly to their response? Most of us were raised with that old school attitude. Children have no rights an adult is bound to respect. This is how we have learned to treat our children. And we've learned it because this is the way we were treated. So when a child is upset or defiant or sullen, we immediately say things like, oh, that child is spoiled. They just want to get their way. And so we punish them for that. And 
what happens when we punish a child for being in emotional pain? We create more emotional pain. We force them to swallow it. And rather than the emotional injury being healed, it then resurfaces as some other malfunction in their lives. Whether it's a drug problem or an alcohol abuse problem or a sexual promiscuity problem or a problem with more defiant antisocial behavior, fighting, stealing, all kinds of things that if we had known that initial act of defiance was a call for help rather than a an indication that they need punishment and correction and reminding of who's boss. If we could stop seeing our children as expressions of our own ego and see them for who they are, we can respond to them appropriately. But this is something that has to be relearned or it has to be learned because what we have learned is how to ignore the feelings of children, how to talk to them harshly, how to ignore their words, and how to punish them if they don't immediately comply with what we demand. We have to unlearn that behavior because that's the way we were raised And that's why we still have the emotional scars that we have. And that's what makes it difficult for us to maintain our relationships. We were not listened to. We were not respected for our feelings. We were not counseled when we had experienced something that traumatized us. And so we don't know how to respond appropriately when a child is crying for help, just as our parents didn't know. But now that we know better, we can do better. And our Friday morning and Sunday evening host, Viata, says, Grand Rising Queen, my grandchildren went through a fairly peaceful divorce at a young age. They display some of the signs of emotional pain, I'm learning to be more patient and con- and consciously interact with them, knowing they might need therapy. And that's being a good grandma. And we appreciate the fact that you're evolving into that understanding because that's a very common situation in families today. When there's a divorce, Grandparents are often challenged to step up and fill in and and be that consistent person in their lives. Children are shuffled back and forth between parents, and each parent may have different parenting styles. So 
what happens in one house isn't allowed in another house, and children are already upset that parents are not together because for the child, their family is everybody together in the same house. They're frustrated and angry about that, but as children, they don't have the power to control it, so they're angry about that. So they seek to control that which they can control, which might be little things, little acts of defiance. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I want to do this. Because that's the thing they can control. They couldn't control their parents splitting. So the little acts of what appear to be defiance are really acts of trying to regain control of something in their lives. So if we understand their distress, then we can respond with patience and do more listening and allowing them to speak without correcting their thoughts. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't think that. No, let them think it. Let them say it. Let them feel that they can be heard. And this is why. When children are in emotional pain, sometimes it's necessary for them to go to a counselor, to get therapy, because when a parent is the source of your pain, how can you confide in that parent? Their ego is not going to allow them to hear that they did something that caused harm. So, they need to allow their child to speak freely to a person who is less attached to the situation. Parents have feelings, and sometimes a parent isn't able to handle the intense anger a child may have about a decision they made. A parent might not be able to admit wrong. And so how can they be able to listen to a child tell them that they feel like what they did was wrong? Especially because we have been raised with the attitude that a child has no rights. An adult is bound to respect. So we have to unlearn that belief, that behavior, that attitude, before we can even develop the patience to listen. So thank you, Grandma Viata, for your growth and experience, because your experience will help so many grandparents who are in that same situation. We're going to take a quick break and come back and continue this list of signs that your child may need therapy. If they're displaying some differences in their behavior. You want to understand and not punish. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment, so stay with us.
And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, alone uh, with, uh, of course, we are sitting in for Dr. Debbie Green, who is off handling an emergency. But we want you to call in or make your comments on our Facebook or YouTube channel, The Female Solution, as we ask the question, do your children need therapy? If you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, you probably noticed I went and got my glasses because, you know, my eyes need a little help today. (laughs) And that's why you have to notice when you need help. Just like we need to notice when our children need help, rather than letting them continue to struggle with emotional situations they don't have the capacity to handle, we need to get them help. (laughs) So when there's a sign that someone needs help, you seek help for them. So now the second sign of six signs your child needs counseling. They need some therapy. Number two, a sudden shift in unusual interests and habits. Similar to the shift in behavior, changes in your child's day-to-day interests and habits can signal that your child may need counseling as well. Most Most commonly, Significant changes in eating, sleeping, and personal interests are easiest to spot and typically the most suggestive. If these, change la- if these changes last longer than two weeks, consider scheduling a checkup with your child's doctor. In fact, they may be able to point you in the right direction if they believe emotional stressors are the cause. And this is important also to have a doctor that understands that mind-body-spirit connection, that many physical illnesses are triggered by emotional stress. If you've got the kind of doctor that's that's connected to a pharmaceutical uh, industry and has to prescribe so many medications per day, you might need to change doctors because a doctor that understands holistically where many of our physical maladies come from, will first seek to understand what's happening in that child's life. Have they been transferred to a new school? Are they perhaps being subjected to bullying? Have they been subjected to ridicule, even from their teachers? Have they been (laughs) publicly humiliated? Have they gone through some type of condition that's causing them an ongoing feeling of anxiety? Are they worried about their parents getting a divorce? Are they worried about a new child coming? So a doctor has to be able to first to notice or ask about changes in that child's life and regular routine to determine if underlying stress is causing some kind of physical malady or if the behavior is being um, agitated by a situation that's distressing. Parents often change jobs, which means their children have to be uprooted and 
enroll in a new school. And sometimes parents make these choices without consideration that a child doesn't always have the emotional ability or social skills to just readjust. And it can be very distressing when you're leaving the security of your old friends who accept you and you going you're going to a new environment where people could be kind of mean. You could be stigmatized for whatever reason. If you're of a different nationality or or racial group or or ethnicity or culture or language group and you have to go to a new environment where people don't know you and haven't accepted you and may even see you as defective in some way, adults can often adjust when they go to a new environment, if they have to change jobs or move to a new city or something or a new neighborhood. Children don't adjust as easily, and we think, oh, we can just, you know, put them in another school. There's a whole set of social things that children have anxieties about because school time is that time when all of the foundation of who you are is laid. And you can have a good school experience where your teachers like you, you've got your friends, you're having fun, or you could have a very traumatizing school experience where you're being teased every day, you're being bullied, the teachers are not kind or they ignore what's happening to you, and maybe there isn't a counselor on staff at the school that is, is really interactive, because maybe they're only there like once a month, and so they really can't be effective because they don't have a personal relationship with the children. So you have all of these things that might be happening in your child's life. And the only way they can express their distress is whatever changes that they're making in their behavior. So maybe they're sleeping excessively. And sleep is often a way to avoid life. That's why excessive sleeping is a sign that someone's going through a depression. Overeating. Food is often used as comfort when we're in a state of distress. So maybe your child is overeating, and rather than you fussing at them or calling them fat or whatever thing you think is going to deter them, you need to find out why are they suddenly overeating or indulging in a lot of sweets. What is it that's triggering this? Or if they're sleeping excessively, not wanting to get up, rather than you hollering at them and calling them lazy, find out what it is that they're perhaps avoiding and how sleep is helping them to avoid whatever that situation is that they can't face. We need to pay attention to these things and not judge them because we've been conditioned to punish any behavior that we find unfavorable rather than seek to understand it. We need to be the generation of adults that changes this unhealthy pattern that we've had for generations in the raising of children. So if your child has been sleeping excessively for more than two weeks, 
rather than you screaming at them and calling them lazy because they won't get out of bed, they won't go to school, or rather than you fussing at them because maybe they're stuffing themselves a lot of junk food and, and just not maybe refusing to eat their actual food but doing all the the overindulgence and unhealthy snacks, rather than fuss about them, call them fat, call them overweight, call them lazy, call them stupid, call them whatever we were called, we need to seek to understand what is the underlying reason for this shift in behavior, this change in habit, what's going on in their lives. And sometimes we need to have a good doctor who knows how to get that information in a way that our child doesn't feel threatened that they're going to be reprimanded because we, the parents, tend to reprimand. And so they don't talk to us. Number three, pay attention. If your child is engaging in excessive worrying and sadness. And can you believe sometimes parents will punish a child for being sad? How often have we heard, stop that crying? I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) How brutal is that? We don't know any better. We didn't know any better. So we did dumb things that were hurtful and, and actually added to the trauma. Perhaps the most direct and evident of this list, excessive worrying and sadness are sure tell signs that your child may need help beyond your reach. While worrying and sadness can be normal, especially during life transitions and changes, when these emotions become excessive and begin to consume your child and their thoughts, that is when you should take a closer look. And for those who want to follow up on that, this you can go to all four, the number four, kids.org. So you don't have to try to write down everything I'm saying. You can look at the list yourself. That's, again, all, the number four, kids.org. I know Mama D, we shouldn't call them kids. I, I got that. But, but, you know, people still do that. I'm sorry, it just is what it is. Uh, all4kids.org. Now, we know death is a natural part of life. People transition out of this physical life all the time. We tend to ignore our children's sign of grieving because we don't know how to handle our own grief. And the unfortunate thing, especially for little boy children, We tell them, don't cry, when crying is, in fact, a release of emotions that you need to release. And grief is a natural part of missing someone who's transitioned. Whether you have a a parent who has passed away, a sibling who's passed away, a grandparent who's passed away, our children are going to experience the death of a loved one or even the death of a pet. No one can decide how long someone should grieve or how they should express that grief. We often 
don't know how to recognize grief in children. And sometimes, months after someone is gone, be it a a pet, a sibling, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, that child is still sad and worrying. And if they've perhaps seen an act of violence, they may worry that they're going to experience it again. So the sadness, the worry, the distress, it may not go away during the time period we think it should. We we think people should get over things in, in, in a week. Well, it doesn't happen that way. You can have years of something still being the cause of your depression. And if you never get help, like that broken leg, once it heals, it might heal in the wrong way. And so now you've got a bone that is set inappropriately and you're walking with a limp for the rest of your life because you didn't have it reset and put in the right position so that it will heal according to how it's supposed to fit. Same thing with our emotions. When we just let them linger, then they don't heal properly, and we find ourselves with another malady later on in life. So pay attention if your child is expressing excessive worrying and sadness. And don't think you can just say, oh, don't worry about it, and the problem will go away. Or you can just say, oh, cheer up, and they'll just put a smile on their face. It doesn't work that way. The pain is on the inside. And this is why there are professionals that help when children are in emotional pain and need therapy. So let's talk about number four. And again, we urge you, you can go to all, number four, kids.org and see this list and ponder it. But we want you to reflect if you have been the caretaker, if you've been the grandparent, if you've been foster parent, if you've been a surrogate parent, if you have been a friend of the family and you've observed behaviors in children and people may not know how to respond, then we want you to consider if your child is in emotional pain if this child actually needs therapy to help them. Number four, regressions. Regressions are common when a new sibling is born, when divorce occurs, or any other major life changes take place in the home. However, when regressions happen for seemingly no reason, Consider taking a closer look. Here are a few of the most common regressions that signal that your child may need counseling. One, bedwetting, when they've already been night trained. You know, they might be four, five, six years old, and you figure they're out of that stage, but then they go back to bedwetting. And how many parents 
get frustrated when their child wets the bed and think if you fuss at them and fuss at them for not getting up at night or call them too lazy to get up out of the bed. Nobody wets themselves on purpose, okay? Just, just so you know, that's not a thing that someone does because they're too lazy to get up. But how many of us in our ignorance have experienced or had happened to us being fussed at for wetting the bed? And maybe we're eight years old. It's a sign there's something else. Number two, frequent temper tantrums. Mm. This is a thing that so many parents don't know how to handle because they take it as a personal affront to them and the respect that they're due as a parent. So they interpret a child's temper tantrum as disrespect of them. Too many parents feel that way because they're seeing other people look at them like, oh, you can't control your child or your child doesn't respect you. So we respond to social pressure from other adults who condemn us for being inadequate if our child has a tantrum. So we need to know that a tantrum is an expression of frustration. Now, we've seen adults throw tantrums, and it's the same thing. Frustration over not being able to make something happen. Frustration over not being able to control your circumstances. Frustration over not being able to be understood. Frustration. That's what a tantrum is expressing. So when we look at a child having a tantrum and we take it as disrespect of us, that our response is going to be an ego-based response. So what do we do? We fuss at the child. We, we scream at the child. We snatch the child up and shake them. We punish them. We hit them. But we never get to the source of their tantrum. Why are they frustrated? We don't know that this is what we should do because we're not therapists. And this is why many of the times our children need therapy. Somebody who is not emotionally connected to the situation and can see it objectively. Number three, separation, anxiety, and clinginess. Okay, you take your child to the daycare center and suddenly they start crying and don't want to leave and hold on to your leg and and you got to get to work so you don't have time for that. So you, come on, yeah, 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 that'll be all right. And they're crying and crying and crying. You can't take the time to figure out why they're doing this because you've got to get to work. you got to drop them off at the daycare center. you got to leave, and they're suddenly, don't want you to go, crying, screaming, won't let go of your leg, and you're, come on, i got to go. How often does that happen? Too often. Because we're not seeing that as a sign of distress. And maybe we feel like, you know, wait, I've been taking this child to daycare every every day. Why all of a sudden are they doing this? We need to find out. We need to be able to find out what is the underlying distress. 
And our response cannot be an anger response because it's not personal. It's something that they are going through. And we need to discover what it is. Fourth on this list is excessive anxiety and fearfulness. Maybe a child's afraid to go someplace. Maybe they're afraid to go to school. Maybe they're afraid to go on a trip. Maybe maybe they're afraid to get up on this horsey when we've taken them pony riding. Maybe we're maybe they're afraid to get on the, the ride at the amusement park and maybe they're afraid of the clown at the circus. Maybe they're expressing fear at something that we think they should get over. Maybe they're afraid to get on the bicycle. And what do we tend to do when children express fear? We tend to ridicule them. Is that helpful? No. But we do that because we don't know any better, because this is what was done to us. So when a child expresses fear and we ridicule them, say, oh, don't be a coward, or whatever the case may be, we're not helpful. And how many of us learned how to swim by being thrown into the deep end of the pool? And it was either swim or drown. And we may have actually learned how to swim. We fought our way across the pool to the edge and and managed not to drown. But is that the best way to teach a child how to swim? Through trauma of having to fight for survival? No. But how many of us had that experience and could possibly be traumatized to this day? Pay attention when your child's expressing fear and do not ridicule them. Seek to understand. So, the last on this list is Language regression using baby talk. Now, maybe they're three years old and you know they can articulate, but suddenly they go back to before the age of two and start talking baby talk. And you know they can speak. You know they can use complete sentences. Why are they regressing? Again, seek to understand, not just reprimand. Seek to understand, not just reprimand. And as we said, these regressions are common when a new sibling is born or when divorce occurs or any other major life changes that take place in the home. So whatever's happening, your child with these regressions are expressing their emotional distress over the change in their lives. It's an anxiety based on the uncertainty of their safety and security. And if you don't understand what they're expressing, again, your response may be punitive or ridiculing. Or trying to shame them out of the behavior. None of that is helpful. 
And we may have been ridiculed or shamed at a certain point in our childhood when we were going through an emotional trauma, when we were going through a difficulty and perhaps we didn't have the words to express it, but we know the feelings that we had. Children have feelings. They feel everything that happens in their lives. They feel the emotions of their parents. They feel the emotions of everyone in their environment. And if they're in a household where there is emotional stress due to a divorce, they feel that. Whether they're in infancy, they're in toddlerhood, they're young children, four, five, six years old, where they have the words, the vocabulary to speak, and yet... When something is distressing them, they may go through a regression. And that's their way of demonstrating their emotional distress. Going back to an earlier childhood phase, we can't ridicule them out of it. We need to understand it. And this is why we have professionals who can help and are not emotionally attached to the situation so they're not going to take it personally. That's the biggest stumbling block we must overcome as parents. Taking our children's behavior as some type of a personal condemnation of our parenting skills. Often that's reinforced by our own peers our relatives, people, who, people around us who say things like, you let them get away with that? You let them do that? You let them talk to you like that? You let them act like that? So the implication is that we're incompetent because we can't control our child. That model of parenting has to end because it's not producing emotionally healthy human beings. And we need to learn to ignore people who are making us feel like we have to comply with their beliefs that everything deserves to be punished so that we can show that we're in control. We need to instead choose to have compassion and empathy for our child and treat them as the whole human being that they are and seek to help them heal from whatever hurt they're experiencing rather than show people who don't know any better that we're in control of that child. So the next time your child acts out and some other adult says, you let them do that, do not. Be influenced and do something abusive to your child to prove that you are an adequate parent. Seek instead to understand your child. We have more on this list. We're going to take another break. 
And we invite you to call in, 515-605-9325. I'm Naeem Latif, sitting in for Dr. Debbie Green, who's on an emergency this morning. And we are sharing with you six signs that your child needs counseling. Because our children have feelings, too. And sometimes they've been traumatized. And we need to know the signs so that we can give them help. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel. Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, If you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of mindfulness on higher learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening.
And we are back. You are listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif sitting in for Dr. Debbie Green, who is on an emergency today. And uh, certainly we send her our high-energy thoughts and prayers that all things will be in order and all restored to balance. And we're going to go to our phone lines. But first we want to... Uh, First, we're going to uh, share some comments from our Facebook family and our second Saturday host, uh, wonderful Mama Joy Segura, says, Many tribes are practiced throwing a newborn in the water to determine if they will fight to live. If the baby struggles, the thought is they will be a good warrior and worthy <laughs> being a part. If the baby doesn't struggle, they let it go and drown. Ooh. Oh, that's kind of rough. Yeah. The idea that you must fight to survive. We do see that in many cultures around the world. But if you think about it, if you were born, that itself was the fight to survive, unless you were born a cesarean, you know, where they had to cut your mother open and, and just take you out. That means you didn't go through the process of pushing your way through the birth canal and, you know, fighting to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. If you didn't go through that process, you might not have that experience of, you know, the will to live and, and, and making a decision to to put forth effort. And so many people say that babies deliver, and we have a large amount of unnecessary cesareans. Again, you know, a financial issue. Um, the hospitals can charge more, but they say that has a lot to do with that child developing that will to live because they didn't go through that, that natural birthing process, which requires effort. And you do need to have a strong will to fight. Our challenge is understanding that making someone suffer doesn't give them strength. It breaks them down. Many of the ways that we raise our children, speaking to them harshly when they're crying, stop that crying. You know, we want them to be strong and we think that if we put them down, if we insult them, if we ridicule them, if they show signs of sadness, we think we're toughening them up. It's the same, it's almost the same attitude as the people who let the child drown <laughs> that is not fighting to, to swim in the water. It's an incorrect belief that if I make you struggle, I'm helping you to become stronger. And when you're a child, that's not what you need. You need emotional support. So this is why we're talking about that. And thank you so much, Mama Joy, for bringing that point out, because that is an attitude. Even though we might not be in a society that lets a child drown physically, we let them drown emotionally because we don't attend to them when they need help, 
and we think they should just struggle and get through it. And sometimes they can't, and emotionally they do drown. So let's go to our phone lines and take your call. Let's go to area code 312-632. Grand Rising, give us your name where you're calling from and your comment regarding do your children need therapy. Did you recognize anything? I'm C.M. Nelson Bay. I intend to marry the daughter of Quincy Jones, Kidada, the older daughter. Um, To make a long story short, (laughs) everything that I'm saying is anecdotal. Uh, She and I together, Kidada, Jones and I, that is, uh, we can be part of a ministry that's going to help and bless a whole lot of children. Like well, so believe. what kind of ministry do you, do you envision? Do you think that you would be able to help children that are in need of uh, therapy and needing emotional support, children who perhaps have been traumatized? Would you say perhaps maybe your experience would uh, give you more sensitivity in that area? What are your thoughts on that? I think um, anytime a person purposely expresses himself or herself, it's always anecdotal. It's always connected to the reality of their own birth and childhood and adulthood for the most part. And certainly that's uh, true in my case. Uh, What inexorably predisposes me to do what I do um, is um, my self-concept and my intended results bearing in mind the mystic law of cause and effect. To make a long story short, I contend that prenatally, that is to say within weeks subsequent to conception, uh, that um, uh, I will get down here and word it correctly, that spirit being, which is the human entity, can, um, uh, how shall I say, um, discern the very nature of the energy of intention around himself or herself. And I would say I am a self-described medical astrologist at the apex of German new medicine. So notwithstanding the fact that I do not have an MD behind my name. I am a person, I'm really the divine physician who can be a great blessing to many of our children. Perhaps in the in my capacity as a uh, public guardian, Cook County uh, Court, a circuit court of Cook County, they're looking for uh, some uh, people to be uh, juvenile temporary detention center, office of the chief judge, public guardian, forensic clinical services, juvenile probation, and more. And just like we had during COVID uh, pandemic, we um, showed our ability to um, engage in what amounts to Dianetics auditing sessions. Uh, by way of electronic device, and that's how I would uh, always be there 
for the children who can greatly benefit just by my paying proper attention to them and well, giving meaningful, the, helpful feedback. Yes. Well, you know, I think there are a lot of people who will be willing to be such guardians and be willing to step in into the lives of distressed teens. The question, though, is do they have the patience? Because if we know that young children express distress or have tantrums or 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 engage in, in behavior that doesn't make any sense to us, the older they get, the more that behavior becomes excessive. And can an adult deal with a teenager that is defiant, that is loud, rude, having a tantrum, screaming, hollering, upset, unmanageable? Can an adult who is not a trained therapist manage that behavior or or enable that teen to express themselves without taking it personally that that teen is disrespecting them. And a lot of people have teenagers in their homes today that have really been traumatized and are acting out, and what do the parents do? They call the police on the teenager. They, they have them locked up. They put them out the house. They never think maybe they need therapy. So so thank you for thinking. I ran, I ran to the assistant principal of CVS, Chicago Vocational School brother Abdul Muhammad of the Nation of Islam a couple of days ago. And he and Tony Ravier are doing something great. And when I'm elected mayor of Chicago, replacing incumbent mayor uh, Brandon Johnson for the next uh, three or four years, uh, I intend to have Brother Troy LaRavier as my uh, school superintendent, and um, I think the office of Chicago Police Superintendent should be an elective office. That the three highest vote getters are the one who the next mayor gets to choose, uh, and he will have chosen them from who the people will have elected. You see? Well, that's that's a thought, and I, I'm sure that. I'm sure that the, the, the brother who is, uh, as a matter of fact, I think I went to the, the press conference where he was talking about the the situation at the public schools. I'm sure that he's uh, appreciative of your vote of confidence in him as the school superintendent, and we certainly do look forward to having a different way we choose our police superintendents because our police need to also, as you know, and, and Mayor Brandon, to give him credit, he has talked about we need to be more focused on mental health as opposed to punishment. It's the same thing in our homes. We need to be focused on mental health and not just punishment because many things are an expression of emotional distress. So that attitude trickles down in all areas of our lives where we need to be more sensitive to people's needs and especially our children. So thank you so much, Brother Andrew. We appreciate you, as always, for being a loyal listener. Are we able 
to comprehend when our children are expressing distress and need emotional support and need counseling. They need therapy and not punishment. Are we able to comprehend that, especially when they get older and their their expressions of emotional distress might be even more destructive? Do we turn to punishment or do we call a therapist? Well, let's take another call. Area code 706-202, Grand Rising. Thank you for joining us. Please introduce yourself and give us your thoughts. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Naima, and greetings to my brother, Andrew Nelson. Been a minute. This is Kwame Sunhorse, and I sit here in the stolen lands of the Muscogee Creek in Edenton, Georgia. That's an excellent topic you've picked, and we have to understand something. <clears throat> our children are reflections of our environment and we as a people. Our children are reflection of we as a people and our environment. And the part that we see is, is that I know I still remember my grandmother and my great-grandmother And those old women and those old men were able to have a way with children and being able to give them time and love, time and love. We're so much in a hurry that we don't give them the time. We cut children out before they even have time to come through the birth canal on the assembly line of reproduction. We cut our children out in order to save time for her not to go through the labor pains so they can Mm. produce and go back out on the golf course. See, we looking at saying, okay, we need therapy. Therapy was grandmother's kitchen table. Therapy was that lap time. Now grandmothers, instead of giving lap time, and younger grandmothers because they are becoming grandmothers younger and younger. And so you're looking at generations that have lost the skill of the village. We had those big mamas and those those old women that knew how to talk and, and nurture that child when they went through trauma and know how to guide them back and say, you're going to be okay, baby, and let them grieve and just tell the parent, let him alone. He's going through something. Yeah. And be there. Thing that we've done, we think we've done more, but we've, we've gotten worse. We think we're doing more, but we're getting worse. And the other part is that I, I made a presentation and I was talking about psychology. You're talking about therapists. And these ones that are using, they're using from not our perspective because we had to form our own psychological uh, people in ABSI, the Association for Black Psychologists, because when we look at how they look at what what is is trauma and what are things to do, and did you know that in seventeen from seventeen forty to eighteen fifty there was an institution, a lunatic asylum, in Virginia, 
that said wow. that Africans did not have mental illness because the reason why they didn't have mental illness, they had no property, they owned nothing, they could not vote, they had no political office. So they said that only mental illness was a white pers- a white male disease. Wow. Because that's how they looked at us as a people. We didn't have the mental capacity to be mentally to be labeled as mentally ill. Was you know, a lot, their of that, a lot of that uh, attitude, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that about the whole idea of mental illness being tied to financial responsibility. You still have a lot of a lot of our people, a lot of black people, who say. You know, black people don't get therapy. That's some white, you know, white people. That's some rich people do. You know, that's ridiculous. As if therapy has to do with economic status or or property ownership. No, some of therapy, us have we, that mentality, and that's why for, we, for a long time we didn't have. We, our children would go through all kind of traumas in, in, in classrooms, and schools in our neighborhood didn't have therapists coming in to deal with the emotional trauma of somebody getting shot or killed in front of you or teacher dying or anything, they didn't even, it's like, oh, well, you people, you get over it. And so a lot of us yeah. had that attitude and, and wouldn't realize when our children were under emotional distress. But what what I'm sharing with it is we had community. We have, it takes a whole village. In that village are those who know how to nurture and deal with trauma because what did they have to do in living in the community that we had? You had to learn how to deal with certain traumas and certain difficulties and certain deaths that came about. When you lived in the South and you saw a man hanging from the tree, what are you going to tell that child? When you, I rode in the car on my way to Mississippi with my grandfather. We were down near Cairo, Illinois. My grandfather got pulled over because I said, Dad, see that light on the string? And he ran a red light. That white officer walked up to him and said, boy, did you see that light? And I said, Dad, you're not a boy. You're a man. I'm a boy. And the man looked in the window. He said, you better teach that boy something. And I watched my grandfather could not even express his feelings and say anything about it but say, yes, sir. Do you know what that cycle It's still in my embedded in my memory that that man called my grandfather a boy who always told me, that he was a man and I was a boy. Do you understand the psychological damages that happen to us through just through seeing trauma happen to our parents, seeing trauma happen to our friends? We got PTSD, and those kids never been to a war zone, but they live in one. That's true. And, you know, there are many people who are carrying memories. Uh, my sisters and I, you know, we do a, a a show every Sunday called Three Black Moms, and we're writing a book called Growing Up Charles. That was our, our family's last name, Charles. And in the book, each of us are, are telling, you know, stories that happened in our family, but we're telling, telling it from our perspective. And we're we're like four years apart, so each of us saw things differently, and I was the youngest. But all of us remember the trip our family took to the south, and it was late at night. Our parents had been driving, you know, all night in the rain. They were tired, 
and they needed to go to a hotel. And I think we were in, we must have been in Virginia. And they could not, I can't remember if it was, I can't remember which state it was. It might have been Georgia. But I remember that. They were well. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't really know what was happening. But my sisters remember very vividly that they were turned down from every hotel. People saying, "Well, we don't. We don't let colored people stay at our hotel." So, I mean, every hotel they would say, oh, "We don't." Some would say, "We don't have any vacancies." And then as soon as they drive away, then they see the you know the vacancy sign would go back up. You know, things like that. Now, my sisters, because they were older. I think I was maybe less than four, maybe about going on four years old or about four years old. So I didn't, I wasn't as conscious, but they were very conscious of that, that what ended up happening, my father drove all night. He was exhausted. I think we finally slept in the car. And they remember that, being denied and being told, we don't, we don't let colored people, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have Negroes. Right. We don't have, we don't have, they didn't even say black now. I think it was saying colored. Um, no colored allowed at our hotel. So the impact of that and and seeing the hurt that my parents went through in that trip south because we were visiting our grandparents. So there's, there's, there's always some degrading memory that we have of the racial injustice in this nation that many of us are carrying, knowing that our parents had to adjust to the 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 emotional trauma of being uh, number one shamed in front of your children or grandchildren, openly disrespected, and being in fear of your life if you challenged it. So that was a generation that went through that. Now you mentioned something, and, and I want to address it before we we take a break about grandmas, and you have some grandparents that developed a certain wisdom and were able to impart it in the family. And that's a good thing because our parents did, usually you do have some wisdom by the time you reach a certain age. But then you also have the grandparents that were shaped by a society that had conditioned them to accept abuse or accept a certain social status and begin to program their children to accept that status, which is something we in our generation have to evolve out of. I remember Oprah saying that her her grandmother, who she she stayed with for a time, was a washerwoman and and you know did did cleaning for white people, and she said to Oprah, "You know, if you just get you some good white people, you'll be okay." And, you know, basically conditioning her, you know, look for a good white family you can <laughs> work for. Because for her, that was that was the, the, the goal to aim for, for colored people. This is your station in life. And, of course, Oprah now said, yeah, I did find some good white people. They worked for me. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that, that was her breaking out of that mold. So sometimes uh, yeah, we did have that that village, that protection, that elder that helped us get through difficult times. And sometimes that elder felt that they were doing the right thing and conditioning us to accept an abusive situation that we really needed to not allow. So that whole civil rights era was a time of us 
undoing the conditioning to accept injustice. It was a very momentous time in this nation because, as we know, many people died. And I would venture to say that those people who lived through that era of assassination and and beatings and all of that, I would say they're probably still traumatized to some degree in some way and haven't dealt with it. And, and somehow... We we see see it manifested some way, and we're the products of that because it was we called yeah. it civil rights, but it was human rights to Absolutely. be accepted as a human. This is what we struggle for, and Mama Joy was correct. Throw that baby because the thing of it is, we have to say what France Fanon says: each generation out of relative obscurity must fulfill its mission, or we will all fail. And that's the part of the strength that came out of that. They only were able to give you what was given and what was because they were four generations back. My great-grandmother, my mother, who's 91, lived in the house with my great-grandmother's mother who was born a slave in 1854. And so we we just short distance, but we got a short memory too. Because yeah. struggle is the highest form of education. When you talked about coming through the birth canal, Malana Karinga says struggle is the highest form of education. They call it birth. You struggle yeah. to come into this world, and you push your way through to the light, as you said. Push your way to the light to come out and have someone what has done this in the wrong way, there's this white person sitting there catching you or pulling you out with forceps or reaching in and, and tearing up the, 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 the woman. And the part of that birthing is part of you having that part of coming into a world to struggle. How you come, that's why we had midwives and doulas. Yes. A woman knows better than a man how the body is supposed to be treated when it's coming forth with life. There's a big difference in how you bring a child into, but nowadays we are sitting there with laptops on our, on our lap with, with, with a a baby in our womb. And the part that happens is, is do you know the transmission and damage you're doing to the brain of that child? Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that. We got to take a break. We'll talk about that when we come back. And thank you so much, Baba Kwame for, uh, your input, because uh, these are these are issues we got to look at today, and look at what things we did in the past that were good and healthy and helpful and strengthening, and what things we need to discard that were our holdovers from that slave Jim Crow repression era that we as a nation need to heal from and evolve out of. And not repeat. We gotta, we gotta take a look at that. We got a few calls, Baba Kwame, but hold on, we might be able to get, get to come back to uh, before we end. We'll be right back after this quick break. We want you all to stick and stay. Don't stray away. And seven seven three eight eight five and three one two eight eight two. We're coming to you next. So we'll be right back. And if you're on our switchboard and got a thought you want to share, just press one, and we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. And we'll be right back after this quick break. So stay with us. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV. YouTube it. 
We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings.
than those who did not. And I don't mean just siring children. I mean when you were in the home raising them, it matures you in a different way. You have more patience. You have more understanding that it's not all about you. You're able to share attention. When you didn't have that experience of raising children, there's a level of maturity that you tend not to reach as a man. And I've seen the difference between men who've raised children and men who have not. And so what she's saying is true. A lot of times couples break up because men were not prepared for the role of parent, and they wanted that woman to always be giving them attention, and they weren't prepared to share attention with a child because they didn't see how it's done. They didn't see their fathers do that, and they don't understand what fathering looks like. That is true. So let's go to our phone line and take more of your calls. And I'm going to open the mic for area code eight seven seven three eight eight five. And I do believe this is our dear Mama Joy, Grand Rising. <laughs> Grand Rising to you as well. This has been an absolute delightful morning for discussion. Oh, yeah, it's so sorely needed, and and I wish that you all could get little clips of little uh, clips that you know once this program is over, name and send these little one minute or thirty second clips with all these amazing nuggets so that people can feed off of and come and join more of us. I really appreciate the not just the power. But the beauty and the need feed our people, and it could get more. Oh, I just, I'm just, I'm just praying on that. And I, look, got to give Brother Kwame, Baba Kwame, Sunheart, uh, a really applause because I didn't think about. You know, I talk about the mothership, and so when I heard him this morning speak about how the, the elder women, the grandmothers how, you know, the psychology couching all, all was right there at the table. I can remember moments with my grandmother just with, you know, we didn't have a toaster, but she would butter the bread and put, put it in the pan, and, and we would sit at the oven until the, brown, the bread toasted. And while we were waiting for the, brown, the, the bread to toast, or if it was a sweet potato uh, in the oven, we would have conversations. And I would feel so, I felt like a grown-up. I felt so important, and, and, and I could discuss things with my grandmother. Look, my mom didn't have time. <laughs> For some no. reason, she just didn't have time. And then I realized after I had children and really looked into my mother's life, she had a very, very hard life, a very uh, rough life. And her mother, you, they would they would just beat you with anything and everything. And, and they were always fighting. I mean, it was a lot of things that went on that I didn't experience, but my mother did. And I knew my mother was very mature. But getting back to what Brother Baba said, and that's something when we call this the female solution. The female solution is, a, is by divine order. And by divine order, I mean that it is in the order of the Almighty, by whatever name you call the Creator, for women to be able to speak and to share their heart from God 
as to what the needs of the people are. And when I heard Brother Baba speak this morning, he brought to my mind that such a thing existed. Think about it. There, everything that we need, God has it for us. And one thing women have not been think for is to be involved at the table for a solution for the situation of humanity. And we have, we have solutions by taking in the ever presence of mother. And because of our situation, just give me 30 seconds, because of our situations coming from a property status where we didn't own our own bodies. This is from particularly in the South, because so many of them have not, of our people in the South have yet to transform their minds and get a new mindset. It, it is very, it's very difficult for them. And, um, but my point is when he said that, you know, the women who did things and grandmothers and grandfathers, it's not that we didn't, wasn't in hell, but they had learned how to take care of our young. My mother, yes. grandmother, in spite of what she had, they knew they operated from the heart of God. And to me, those that validates that God said whatever we need already have. And what they did, they could not stop the world from turning. They could not stop the prejudices, but they knew how to take and, and take time with us and nurture us into who I am. But That's one true. thing was missing was that I did not know. Joy can only speak for herself. I did not know that that was something that I was to do for my own children. Mm. One thing they did not know, they did not do, is they did not expose us to the realities of life of that moment and that what God was going to demand of us to walk through that valley of the shadow of death, walk through those deep times of prejudice and racial tensions, and hold on to your faith, not as the church gave it to you, but as God gave it to our ancestors and when there were chains and shackles in the, in, the, in, in the field. Because when we look at the spirituals, there is a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. They were aligning themselves with the divine in that condition. Come on, Holy yeah. Spirit. In that condition, Naima. And yeah. taking honor to God, and God showed them the way, and they made songs. Swing a low, sweet chariot. Come in to carry me home. Huh? I looked over yonder. We got... Uh, by and by, when the morning comes, all the things of God are coming home. In that great getting of morning, we're going to be free and, and come together. This, These are the songs and the wonderful nuggets that they gave to us, yeah. and we don't even sing the spirituals anymore. Come on. We have lost our way, as the brother said, and this is something that we need to remind ourselves of. We go back to the old religion, and that is the religion that God gave us in our hearts. Yes. Well, all right. Reverend, Reverend Mama Thank Joy, you. absolutely, for sure, for sure. You know, if, when we can look at what we did that was strengthening and hold on to that, like Baba Kwame was saying, like you were saying, you know, yes, yes. grandparents who had the wisdom to take time with a child, really, 
it is the grandparents who raise the children. That was the structure because younger parents, first of all, they don't have the wisdom. Second of all, they don't have the time. They're working. They're doing whatever they do for functioning, to survive, whatever the case is. True, true. They don't have the experience in life to make the better choices or even the patience to understand a child. A grandparent has reached that level of wisdom. Come on, Blaine, that's right. And and so if the grandparents are not in the lives of children, and and many of them aren't because what is we we, we moved away from the South, you know, and I understand because we had to get away from that. (laughs) But we we need need to rebuild that extended family where our grandparents are a part of the raising of the children. Right now we got yeah. daycare centers with strangers, sometimes abusive, we don't know, or definitely not as attentive because they got a whole room full of children. It's a business, you know, as opposed to a family. So there's it's a difference a in that. Yeah. But yeah. if you had yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, if we are able to include those wise grandparents and, and their wisdom that they have acquired through having made mistakes, because that's how you learn. You know, they made mistakes with their own children, but in the Come second go-round, they understand. All of us can say that, you know, I, well, there's things I would not do now that I did then because I wasn't as mature as I am now. We all made mistakes with our children, but that's how we yeah, learn yeah. what so we're better mm-hmm. grandparents than we were parents. That's how it is in every generation. We need to expand our families and bring those grandparents back into the home in a healthy way, understanding that that child needs the input from someone who has patience and wisdom and time to spend. And and then we need to look at some of those things that, that might be old school that were not good, that, that whipping thing that we carry over from slavery. We need to let that go. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. Let it go. Correct. Let it go. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the damage that we've done. That's what we that's need to right. not repeat because that's what yeah. traumatizes Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to I agree. This. And that mothership, that, you know, and that mothership, to me that when I heard the brother speak this morning, I said, my goodness, this is the ever-present mother, that if we're in a situation, if mothers look into their heart, God is there in, instructing you how to be a solid mother with some love and some patience. That, to me, is, uh, as you're saying, the mothers may not have, but the grandmothers have already traveled that road, and they yeah. have made errors, and they know better. So the female solution, to me, is now coming into a grand. Uh, awareness that the grandmothers, that's why they're called grand, because there you go. the grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. They got the grand wisdom. They've been through the journey. They have made it, and we make us, if we could just put them in that place and give them a voice, a one voice for this right. nation yes. and our community. Grand. Yeah, That's right. Well, thank you so much, Mama Joy. We want to invite you all. Make sure you tune in every second Saturday of the month right here on the Female Solution, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. Of course, wherever you are in the world, adjust, adjust your time. You can join us live and hear the the great wisdom of this great grandmother, <laughs> Mama Joy, and her co-host, Reverend Rosemary. And thank you all so much for all that you do and 
sharing your wisdom. We appreciate you so much. We're going to, we got another caller, but before we get to our caller, we're going to uh, give you this last two on this list to see if your child may need therapy. And uh, consider if you're seeing this, number five, social isolation. If you notice your child withdrawing socially, this is also a sign to take a closer look at what is going on emotionally. Oftentimes, when children are sad or anxious, they will withdraw from social situations and turn inward. When this begins to happen on a regular basis and starts to take away from their interpersonal relationships, that is when it comes time to consider that it may be more than just a sad day. This is especially true if shyness and introverted tendencies are not common personality traits for your child. Not sure what social situation, social isolation may look like as a child? Here are a few ways that children socially isolate when they are upset. One, eating lunch alone. Now, of course, in a school setting, Teachers and staff need to pay attention if there's a child who's always by themselves because there could be a sign that there's something wrong happening. Two, avoiding play dates and other social activities. Suddenly your children don't want to don't go out with their friends or don't want their friends to come over and visit. Suddenly they just want to be by themselves. That's not usual. Check into that. And number three, a lack of desire to leave the house for any reason. Now, there's one thing with COVID where everybody was kind of urged to stay in, but there's another thing when you can go out, but your child refuses to go out and rather just stay in. And and we and for us, if we think, oh, well, it's easy, I don't have to worry about where they're at, they just sit there on the computer all day or their, their video game or whatever in front of the TV, and we're content to let them do that, we need to know when that is excessive and not normal behavior, not usual behavior, why are they avoiding going out among other people? Something happened, and they may not be able to talk about it. And we need to be able to discover what that is. So that's number five, social isolation. And we want to take a look at this last one, talking about self-harm. And I believe Dr. Debbie has talked about this, you know, people doing things, cutting themselves or other harmful things, talking about it. Well, it's a cry for help. Lastly and most urgently, if your child expresses any feelings or ideas of self-harm, it is important that you seek help for them right away. Sometimes this can present itself subtly with hints of hopelessness and feeling alone. However, other times it is much more direct and can be acknowledged through the presence of suicidal thoughts and cutting. Have you ever cut yourself with a razor blade or something horrible? Uh, That's a sign that there's inner pain you're trying to release. That's a weird thing that people do. And it's a cry for help. While suicidal thoughts and cutting may seem excessive for younger children, it is important to note that feelings of self-harm can be expressed in a number of different ways. Hitting oneself, banging one's head against something, and 
digging nails into skin are all signs of self-harm in young children. If you aren't noticing any self-harm behaviors, take note of them and get help for your child right away. Get your child the help they deserve. Getting help for your child should not be an emotionally draining and tedious task, and it is not. You can go to many places. Now, of course, the the Children's Bureau offers an extensive range of counseling programs and services for your child up to the age of 21 years old, with a large focus on vulnerable communities and those who typically may not be able to receive the right support they need. Children's Bureau goes far beyond offering various mental health services, especially targeted to each child individually. So that's one source you can consider. And, of course, we invite you to listen in every Thursday to Dr. Debbie Green. She is located in Georgia but is international in terms of being able to offer you help online. And we want you to take advantage of our weekly therapy sessions right here on The Female Solution and to recognize when your child might be in distress and not to respond to it as if it is disobedience. They need emotional help. I mean, we here on The Female Solution, this, this week has been therapy week. This has been This has been trauma week for us because all of us, as a matter of fact, I believe we kicked it off Monday with our Monday Morning Mindfulness host, Zelda, recalling how us talking about sharecropping brought her back to the trauma of picking cotton in the South and how horrible that experience was. And then Tuesday, Jody shared some memories of experiences in her life as a child, situations with her father that were traumatizing, And then something triggered a memory in me on Wednesday that I shared. You know, a friend offering uh, to go on a business trip triggered a memory of a of a of a a narrow escape of a rape of a from a clergy person. And we talked about that extensively yesterday. But all of us have gone through some trauma in our lives, and all of us have to look at what. Is necessary to heal. And it's so funny, you know, my, my niece and my sister came to visit this weekend, and, you know, they believe in therapy. You know, hey, you got a problem? That's what therapists are for. And my, my niece goes, Auntie, you should see a therapist. And I say, well, actually, I do every Thursday right here on The Female Solution with Dr. Debbie Green and Soulful Solutions. She's my therapist. She just hasn't sent me a bill. But <laughs> really, we are offering you an opportunity to learn some things, and to apply some things in your life. And if you're raising children or grandchildren and you see any of these signs in them, you may want to urge their parents to see a therapist. And, again, the site where these six signs is on all4kids.org. That's all the number four kids.org. We want our children to be healthy. And let me take the last call. we got about a minute. Area code 312-882-GRAND-RISING. Thank you for joining us on the Female Solution. Give us your thoughts, 
regarding do our children need therapy? Do you think our children are seeing things that are too distressing for them to handle? And should we be should we be getting them some professional help? What are your thoughts on that? Wayon Yashalom, Assalamu alaikum and Grand Rising. Yes, this is Minister Robert Florence Plump in Chicago. Yes, you are absolutely right. Not only do uh, the children need therapy, however, the adults, men, women, and children, we all need therapy. And I wanted to say we got to definitely uh, promote what Mayor Washington said. We must plump the whole community in peace, love, unity, marketing people. And also we are having a fundraising for the community. And uh, we are uh, plumping up Chicago, America, and the world with a plump million man march celebration with Chicago Mayor Harold Lee Washington. And it started Monday, October the 16th, 2023. And it's going to last forever. And I want everybody to go to foundation.org and how you can support the Black Power Library. And call me at 312-882-5935. Thank you. God bless you. And we appreciate all that you are doing and keeping that spirit alive of the commitment and also here today show so that we can as a family and community heal our hurt. We thank you so much and we thank all of you who have listened in and called in and of course we want to invite you to join us again tomorrow on health and well being with Viata right here on the female solution. And, of course, Dr. Debbie will be back next Thursday with more Soulful Solutions. I'm Naima Latif. You've been listening to and watching the Female and Global Radio TV show. Until next week, continue to shine your light. All around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India. Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Cunyon, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.